You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On today's episode, yes, I know, it sounds sad, it sounds dark, but it needs to be talked about. That's right. Women don't care about your struggles. They don't. They do not. But if we were to look on the other side of things, I would also say that men don't necessarily care about the struggles of women either. But we'll get into all this in just a bit. I wanted to share with you a personal update. So as I'm recording this, I am in the middle, or I would say at the end, of a three-day fast, a 72-hour water fast. I'm hour 67 minute 18 seconds 50. And the fast ends in about four hours. I couldn't be more excited. If you've ever played with the idea of fasting, then you know what this is about. If you've ever researched fasting, you know what this is about. If you've ever done intermittent fasting, which is not the same as as this, you know what this is about. But I thought I would just share a little bit with you because I enjoy sharing my journey with you and what I'm up to and what I'm doing as a way to open up your mind and maybe inspire you. Uh, By no means is this necessarily a recommendation, or I should say the purpose of me sharing this isn't necessarily as a recommendation. Of course, as you know, this is trip advice, so I do give advice, but more of a sharing, and it's something that you can check out on your own. And of course, I need to give the disclaimer that if you're doing any kind of fasting, it is important to do it in a safe way, under medical guidance. I need to say that. Uh, if you're doing an extended fast, you know, over 24 hours, absolutely, because it all depends on your health issues. They say it's not good for people to fast if they have already underlying health issues, if they're, you know, you know, over a certain age. Now, I know this sounds hypocritical, but, you know, do what I say, not what I do, necessarily, you know, so to speak. But I did not do it under medical guidance. I did not contact any medical professional personally. I'm not proud of myself for doing that, but I am a healthy individual. I am 37 years old. I do not have any underlying conditions. And I've been doing intermittent fasting, which means I fast for 16 hours, about five to six times a week. And I've been doing that for the past year. So I understand how my body responds to fasting, at least intermittent fasting. And they say it's good to prepare for a longer fast, such as a 72-hour one, before you, yeah, before you go into that. So I feel like I have prepared. Now, one thing I didn't really prepare for was doing it for 24 hours. Some experts say you might want to try doing it for 24 hours before you go the full three days. But again, being that I've intermittent fasted for about a year now, I thought let's take on the challenge. So why, why did I decide to do this? One reason is because there have been studies And a lot of medical experts that have say that when you do an extended fast, your body goes into what's called autophagy. You can research that if you want. That's spelled A-U-T-O, auto, phagy, P-H-A-G-Y, autophagy. 
And that is a process where since your body is not able to get energy from the things you're eating and glucose, it starts to use energy from other parts of your body, eventually ketones that are produced by the liver. And in this process of autophagy, it starts to clean up bad cells. So it starts to clean up some of the bad cells and some of the inflammation in your body. I did read that cancer patients going through chemotherapy have done these extended fasts and it's helped them with recovering from chemotherapy faster. So that's pretty cool. Now, the reason why I decided to do it was because I wanted to experience autophagy. I wanted to be in that state so it can do that cleanup process, as they say. Another reason why I decided to do it was simply because I really enjoy challenging myself and doing these experiments, especially experiments around food and and diet and and things like that. For example, it was maybe nine years ago when paleo was a, a popular thing, paleo eating, eating only foods that are organic plus non-processed and staying away from specific foods that might not be great for digestion, such as dairy or things like peanuts, things like that. So I did that for, I think it was a full week, seven days strict, just to see what would happen. Like, how would that respond to my body? How, how would my body respond to that? Excuse me, because I am a little bit hazy. Uh, from this three-day fast. Although today is one of these days where I do feel like there's some more concentration. They say once you get into day two or day three, your body is starting to use energy from ketones instead of glucose. Glucose is coming from the things that you're eating. So because of that, it happens to be that your brain seems to work a little bit more efficiently. That's why people have reported feeling more focused and and more with it in a sense. I'm experiencing probably about half and half. I'm a lot better than I was yesterday. Yesterday, day two was a big haze. Oh man, I was hazy AF. I was, thank God uh, my podcast recording day didn't fall yesterday. If it did, I would have just moved it to today. I was even worried about, hmm, I got to record podcasts today. Am I going to be able to do that with this energy? But Seems like we're doing fine so far. Doesn't seem like a problem. Anyway, I, I I like doing these challenges. There's people who do this specifically for mental strength. So when you do something that's really challenging, you build up more of a tolerance to things that are hard. So I could imagine if I ever in the future get to a point where I don't know. I had to not eat for a couple of days. That'd be an emergency situation. Well, I would know what to expect and I'm sure I'd handle it better than I'm handling it now. Apparently, when you fast and you do multiple 24-hour fasts, three-day fasts, you start to get used to it. It gets easier, so to speak. And so one of the reasons besides sharing with you some of the things that I do as a way to maybe inspire some people out there. But it's also to 
share about what it means to struggle. And I know that's interesting because that has to do a little bit with today's topic in a sense, but this is to me no different than any other mental struggle that someone has to go through. Meaning the struggle of dating, the struggle of approaching meeting women, the struggle of becoming an attractive guy, the struggle of listening to podcasts over and over and over again to learn the lessons that you need to be a guy who's attracting more women. To me, your mental process through struggle is equivalent across the board to whatever it is that you might be going through, whether it be a fast approaching a woman that you you find very attractive, having to complete a project that you're doing last minute. It's all this mental struggle. It's all about listening to the crazy thoughts in your head and acting otherwise. Or maybe in this case, even like distracting yourself from, from the thoughts in your head that are telling you in this case, eat, eat, go eat. You need food. And you think about delicious cheeseburgers and pepperoni pizza with ranch sauce and fries. As you see, I'm torturing myself now. Although it's weird. Today, I'm not as hungry as yesterday. And they say that happens, that your hunger starts to diminish as you get into three days plus. And I am experiencing that, that's for sure. So um, another thought I wanted to go on a little tangent here on this is what's interesting about a three-day fast is your day I know this is going to sound obvious, but you don't think about this as much. Your day really revolves around food. You know, you're doing things around the idea of, okay, then there's lunch or you're waking up and you're having breakfast and then there's the time for dinner and dinner sometimes takes a while. Yeah, you can order out, but even if you order out, if you're doing like DoorDash or whatever, and you get food, it's still like an hour and a half process where you're waiting and you're excited and 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 eager to have the food. Dopamine actually gets released, by the way, if you didn't know this, dopamine gets released before you're about to eat. That's why sometimes it's fun to be hungry, like you're, you're excited to eat. Now when you're in deep hunger mode, I don't know if dopamine's being released for me through this three-day fast, but in those moments where you know you're about to eat, you feel good. That's a way of your body actually motivating you to get food. So that's your body helping you. That's that's something that helped hunters back in, I don't know, tens of thousands of years ago is they needed to have that motivation. And dopamine helps with motivation. That motivation to what? To hunt, to eat. So so anyway, back to what I'm saying is you you have this, this you know, hour to two hour process of ordering the food, getting the food, and that's at the easiest. If you're cooking your own dinner, then you're absolutely spending, who knows, uh, up to two hours. You're cooking the meal, you're eating the meal, you're cleaning up. It's like a chunk of your night. So as I'm going through this three-day fast, it's so interesting knowing that I won't be doing any of that. Or let's say I haven't been doing any of that. There's no break for lunch. There's no break for dinner. There's no decision-making around dinner. And what happens is you almost think about this idea of, of boredom. Like, well, what am I going to do to fill my time? That time was always spent doing that thing, sometimes up to three times a day. 
three meals a day, right? And so it's interesting too, as you're going to the, you know, if you, let's say you magically didn't feel hunger, okay, just hypothetically speaking, you'd probably be able to fill the day. Okay, well, I'm going to work a little bit. I'll watch some TV. I'll hang out, blah, 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 blah. But it's a little bit different when you're going through the fast. It's like, well, work isn't as easy. Your energy isn't there. So you're almost like, what? It's like kind of daunting. Like, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm not really feeling like doing anything because I don't have that energy. So what will I fill my time with? And that's been, that's been a uh, part of it. So maybe you're wondering, well, what did, what did he fill his time with? Yeah. I mean, honestly, random bouts of work, little bit of walking outside. I did exercise yesterday, which was, that took up a, a good hour. I did have a bunch of coaching calls yesterday. So I did some coaching calls and that led me into the night. And then after that, I did a little bit of research. Megan and I are in Tulum, Mexico right now. We wanted to do a, a three-day hotel stay over, uh, over Valentine's Day. So that took up some time. And then watched uh, an uh, HBO show. And after that, it was yeah, it was pretty early, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, all right, time for bed. And then last night, I slept 11 hours. I Isn't that crazy, by the way? 11 hours? I haven't slept that long in, uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I really can't remember. I, I've slept 11 hours. I I know it's happened. I imagine it was like in college. You know, in college when you'd stay up really late, maybe you were drinking. And then, of course, you know, one of the things that hurts the most over with a hangover is waking up. You want to sleep more. So I can imagine it's maybe in 15 years plus I've slept that long. Anyway, um, I will say this. Let's 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 talk about self-esteem for a second because I bring that up quite a bit on the podcast. The formula for self-esteem is is two things, your, your peers, right? So spending time around people that are good people and also keeping the promises you made to yourself, you make to yourself. And this was one of those challenges and that's why it's good to do challenges every once in a while because you build self-esteem. You better believe that in about four and a half hours when I'm about to eat my first meal to break the fast, I'm going to be so proud of myself. I mean, I already am because I know I'm going to make it, which by the way, I didn't know if I was going to or not. I mean, I've, I haven't done a 24 hour fast since I was a kid for the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur. Otherwise I've been doing intermittent fasting, but that's pretty easy. Most people can do that with, with general ease. So I didn't know if I was going to make it. What if halfway through I got just sick? I just felt really terrible. And it wasn't working for me. I didn't know. So I had a little bit of anxiety around it. But now that I've, I know I'm going to complete it, I feel great about myself. It's a fun story to tell. I can tell others, share the experience. I can share this experience with you. Right? I've been talking about it now for 10, 15 minutes in the podcast. It's cool to do challenges, whether it be something like this or any other kind of maybe diet challenge or workout challenge. It helps build your self-esteem. You feel good about yourself. So that's been that's been a great benefit of, of doing something like this. Some people say it's a, a spiritual 
experience. And in this, in a way it was, in a way it was, I mean, I've never experienced for so long the feeling of hunger, the feeling of, you know, challenging yourself to the point where you have to keep yourself so distracted. Also the lack of nutrition yesterday, just in the morning, I felt like a little bit trippy, like I was taking a walk outside and things were a little bit hazy. It felt a little funny. It felt surreal. Like I wasn't really in the world. You also start to think, think about things that are really important. You think about how grateful you are to be able to eat food and have food. And it, it becomes a little bit of an awakening. I'm not going to say it's, it was such an experience, spiritual experience that it completely changed my life. But, but who knows? Maybe for other people, they, they get that. I think I would experience that for sure to an intense degree if I did a seven-day fast, which people do, by the way. That just blows my mind. I just can't imagine. It seems like torture, but people have reported great things from doing it up to seven days. Will I ever do seven days? I don't know. At this point, I'm going to probably put a no on that. Will I do a three-day again? I'm going to throw a maybe on that one just because it was hard. No regrets. I'm so glad I did it. So glad I experienced it. I really hope that it's doing things to heal my body and clean out my body. I heard that again. Once you do a, you do it once, you do it again, it becomes a lot easier. So maybe I will do it in the future. We'll see. But it was, it was fantastic. Anyway, I uh, just wanted to share that with you. Doing this podcast is really cool because I get to share some of the things that I'm doing and I enjoy it. And I hope you do too. Now let's talk about the topic of today. Women don't care about your struggles. It's a little bit controversial. It is. It sure is. You know, you say that to a woman, she's probably going to say to you, of course I do. We care. But in reality, they don't. Now, I want to put a little disclaimer here. This is not a I hate women or a hatred towards women episode. This isn't putting any sort of real judgment on the facts. It's just me reporting the facts. And I can open your eyes to this idea. And we'll also go into why this is important to know. But the idea here is women are waiting for the best guys who cross the finish line. I didn't make that up, by the way. That's something I've heard before. Women are waiting for the guys at the finish line. They're not waiting for the guys who just started the race. They want the winners. They want the men who are high value. So that's a guy who's competent, who's efficient, who's productive, who is working on himself, who is reasonably fit, which means not someone who's super obese and not someone who's overly skinny or malnourished. So they want a guy who does make a good salary. They want a guy who they can live a good lifestyle with. Think about it. the idea behind attraction with women 
it all goes back to evolutionary psychology. David Buss talks about this in his book, The Evolution of Desire, which I know I reference quite a bit, but it's one of the longest studies ever done, multicultural, by the way, studies ever done on human desire and, and mating. And it's not just a bunch of opinions, but actual research. And so the research found that women are attracted to men who can provide. And they are attracted to men who have the behavioral qualities of a man who can provide, i.e. confidence, charisma, social awareness, a guy who either actually has the means, so has the resources like money or a guy who's going to be going there. I want to just note, it's really important for when I talk about this, that you should know you don't need to be a multimillionaire to be attracting women. Does it help? Of course it does. Yeah, absolutely it does. But you also just, you just, you can be making a decent salary. You just can't be making like 30 grand a year as a, let's say a, a, you know, 26 year old and thinking that you're going to be finding a great woman. Here's the other thing, by the way, you can sleep with women and make 30 grand a year. You just won't be able to keep a woman around. So if you're looking for just sleeping with a woman, you can be able to go to a nightclub and, and do the right things or go on a dating app and, and say the right things and be the kind of guy that women would be attracted to for a short term mating. And you'd be able to do that. Women aren't necessarily asking you what you make or even too much aware of your actual resources for a one night fling. But they'll catch on when you've been dating them for a couple months and you live in your mom's basement and you're, you're not living a lifestyle that she knows can provide for a family one day. By the way, whether she wants a family or not, it doesn't matter. It's ingrained in her. Women look for men who can provide. Men look for women who have, which is why generally when you go out to a bar, you're approaching a woman based on her looks. You're swiping based on looks. Now, I know women are doing that as well. But for a man, a woman's personality or her ability to provide resources it just won't ever have much of an effect as her looks do. It's probably why a lot of men will attract, let's say, a very beautiful woman, but a toxic woman, and then stay with her because she's so attractive and because the sex is good, you know? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that your personality, I'm sorry, her personality doesn't have an effect. Of course it does. I know you're not just dating a woman because she's attractive. You, you enjoy a woman who's smart and who's interesting and you can have fun together. But if I put those personality traits in a woman who wasn't so physically attractive, it wouldn't matter too much to you. Whereas a woman, you could put some traits on a man. Let's say a man who's a little bit chubby, short, balding, not so typically physically handsome. 
but has the charisma of a rock star and confident and does well in work and she's going to like him. I know that sounds like gold diggerish and yes, gold diggers do exist. But I'm just saying across the board that's that's how it works. Now let's go back to this idea of women don't care about your struggles. I know it's a sad reality. Listen, when I heard it too, it didn't make me feel good. I had to really work through it mentally for a while to remember that or to understand really that the reality of life goes as follows. Women don't care if you're nice. They don't care if you're a good guy. I mean, generally they do, but that's not what gets you over the finish line. It's more than that. It's way more than that. Women want those traits that I talked about. They want the high value man. You can become that one, by the way. You can become that one, that kind of guy. That's the whole purpose of this podcast is to get you there. That's the whole purpose of my coaching program, the TripAdvice Accelerator coaching program and my Hooked program. It's all there to help you become that person. But I think what I want, I'm trying to get, uh, get into your brain here and help you understand is that you can't just be the good guy. I was the good guy for a long time, all the way from zero to, uh, oh, 25 years old, 24 years old. I was just trying to be the nice person. And that didn't get me too far. But once I started to become more assertive, more dominant, exhibiting masculine traits, being more flirtatious, challenging her, once I started to become a guy who had boundaries, who didn't put up with bad behavior, once those things happened, then I was starting to attract the women who I never thought I could attract. And, you know, I get some, I get some people who say sometimes, Trip, I don't know. You seem like, like a, a guy, like you're not too bad looking. You got a head of hair and, and, you know, you're on the taller side and things like that. Like that didn't do shit for me for many years. I'm telling you. No, I'm not a 10. Okay, no, I don't think I'm like the worst looking guy in the world. And I I know that there's a lot of guys out there who are like me or guys that don't find themselves physically attractive at all. And it just, it didn't matter. I didn't have women like, wow, look at this guy. He's not obese. He's got a full head of hair. He's got great skin. Like, That didn't do anything for me. Didn't have women approaching me. Still got rejected plenty of times. And if I were to go out today, I would still get rejected. You need to have the behavioral traits. Don't listen to those fuckers online who you see on on Reddit or I would say even YouTube or TikTok who give those, you know, real snarky responses to the how to attract a women question, they say, looks, money, status. 
I'm not going to put those things down. Yeah, those things absolutely help. If you are a tall, rich, super good looking, full head of hair, super fit guy with status, yeah, you're in the top like 0.01%. You'll get any woman you want. You have all of the traits for sure. But guys who are not that great looking, don't have crazy status or lots of money, can still find a great woman if they play their cards right, if they're exhibiting the masculine traits, the behaviors, the inner qualities. So women, although still will never care about you as a guy who's trying to make it in society, They're not going to be attracted to those struggles. You're trying to find a job. You're broke. You're just unkempt. You're no one of value. You're not interesting to talk to. You have no confidence. Woe is me, boo-hoo. They don't care. They don't give a shit. They're going to go for the guys that they find themselves attracted to. Like I said earlier, I mean, let's be honest. Come on, guys. Like, We're going for looks, so we don't care too much about the struggles of what women are going through either, in a sense, Um, in terms of attraction. You know, it's like if you're not physically attracted to them, you're not really going to give them the time of day, are you? But it's still interesting because, and I don't mean to scare you here, but just because you get into a relationship, it's not game over. When you're in a relationship with a woman and let's say things start to fall apart for you, you let yourself go, you become weak emotionally, like you lose your job and you're not planning on trying to get a new one anytime soon because you're just depressed and down. Even in a relationship, they don't give a shit. Yeah, they care about you. They love you. But there's an expiration date to that. Let me tell you right now. Women, they initiate 80% of divorce. And I believe it goes even higher with women who are college educated. Because they are of what's called hypergamous nature. If you're a guy who all of a sudden loses his original attractive traits, I'm not saying the next day she's just going to dump you. But I am saying that if that sticks around, that relationship is in trouble, my friend. So here's the good news. And what I like about what I'm teaching and what I'm trying to help guys with, all the things that women are attracted to, the good news is that these things are really great qualities that your life is better when you have them. If you're a guy who is confident, is charismatic, is social, is working on himself, is really into personal development, is challenging himself, is a guy who is working on his career and trying to build a great life. Like Those are great qualities. You're going to live a great life. You're going to have a great life whether a woman's in it or not. And what's awesome and what I really want to convey to you here is the byproduct of those amazing qualities that you have is attracting women. 
We never want to do these things to attract women. We do them to become an amazing man. And what do you know? Women are attracted to that too. And then you start to win, win, win across the board. That's what I want for you. I want all these wins. All right. What do you say we do some Q&A? People have written in. They got to get their questions answered. You can write in too. Email me, trip at tripadvice.com. Put in the subject line podcast question, and I will answer it here in the podcast. And if you need more help and you feel like you're struggling to meet women online and in person, or you're getting dates, but they're not getting past the first date, don't hesitate to reach out. You can go to tripadvicecoaching.com. That link is in the show notes. And you can join us in an amazing program that will literally change your life. The amount of uh, text messages that we receive from guys in the program is insane. Just texting their coaches about the results they're getting after two weeks of, of working with them. In fact, I'll read one for you right now. One of our clients who's working with our coach, Jamal, he said, at 8 a.m. today, sorry for the early text, success, exclamation point. She came over after dinner and drinks. I used your line, and I also made sure the seats at the restaurant were adjacent. I went early. And then he says, thank you. So pretty amazing. We're just getting guys' results left and right. So if you need them, tripadvicecoaching.com is where to go. And the next step is to fill out an application so we can get to know you and your issues and then see if we can help you. TripAdvicecoaching.com Here's a question from Jay. Would you ever ask out a professional woman at work? For example, a doctor, dentist, pharmacist, massage therapist, lawyer, etc. If you were her patient or client. I feel like it is inappropriate, but at the same time, I feel like I'm missing out on some women who I am really interested in. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Good question. I mean... It's a little bit of a scarcity mindset, a little bit. I don't think you're necessarily in scarcity mindset because it's not like the place to look for women. I feel like if you had an abundance of women, you wouldn't be taking the risk. And I say, and I say risk because the risk is, is just understand that it's like it's done, right? If you have a doctor or a dentist or pharmacist or someone that you see quite often that you're a client of, Just understand that the professional relationship is done, whether she says yes or no. Because if she says yes, well, now you guys are dating and she's probably not going to be your doctor, dentist, pharmacist, massage therapist. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe some of those, I don't know. But it's most likely just going to change the relationship. So if you're okay with that, then fine. But then also, if she rejects you or says no, which is potentially pretty likely because they might not want to do anything unethical in their business and ruin what they've put together. So it's a higher chance of a no. And if they say no, well, now it's also ruined. So you need to be totally okay with knowing that the moment you ask them out or try to change the relationship that you guys have, the professional relationship that you have, if you're okay with that, Knowing that it's going to change, and your call, man, go for it. But if you're like, oh, no, this is a really good doctor, or I really like this dentist, she does a really good job, or I don't want to 
you know, this is the pharmacist that's closest to me. And so I don't want to ruin that and make it awkward now every time I go there. Or it's a lawyer that you really think is doing a good job for you. Just know that the relationship has a high chance of being squashed. So you said here, you feel like you're missing out. I mean, are you really? I don't know. That's not very abundant mindset. You're missing out. Why? Because they're cute. I mean, they're probably very nice to you because they have to be. You're their client. So how well do you really know them? I doubt that well. So you're probably just attracted to them physically. And let's be real, man. There's way more options for attractive women than your doctor, lawyer, dentist, pharmacist, massage therapist, lawyer. So as I'm kind of working through this answer, I would say it's just probably not the best idea. Let's go to Grant. He says, hey, Trip. in the summer, I went on a date and was rejected for a second date. Since then, I got serious with the dating game and got professional pictures and making and effort to go on dates. The results have been much better. I usually go at least one date a week and max two because I find it a lot of work. I've gone on several mad dates and a few good ones, but nobody I'm interested yet. Recently, I was swiping. And I saw the same girl that rejected me in the summer is back on the apps. Should I reach out through text to see if she'd want to try again? Thanks, Grant. Well, this is very much related to the last question. Very, very scarce mindset. Just bad for so many reasons to to reach out to that person again. Okay. First of all, she rejected you. Why in God's name do you want a girl who rejected you? Think about that for a second. You want a woman who rejected you. She didn't like you. I'm not trying to rub this in your face, by the way. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about yourself. That's not the point. I want you to stand up for yourself. I want you to say, I want a woman who is going to like me from day one. You shouldn't be very, how do I say this? Um, For lack of a better term here, just you shouldn't really respect someone who doesn't like you. I don't mean to disrespect them. I just mean you're you. You hopefully love, respect, and like yourself. If someone feels the opposite, that person should be white noise in your life. White noise meaning something that you don't hear you don't care about. It's not for you anymore. So I don't care if she's single. And by the way, uh, hypothetically speaking, let's say she comes back and says, I made a mistake. I want to see you again. I would, I would qualify her. I would say, really interesting. I'm curious what changed, what's going on. Cause that's a yellow flag, by the way, for, for any reason, I don't know, there could be a million reasons why someone would even decide that. So my point is, is that whether she comes back, and especially if she doesn't, in this case, you just saw her. So she's single, so what? We want high-level interest women. You got to really say that to yourself. It's like a mantra. We want high-level interest women. The women who we know 
are going to like us from the beginning because that's going to be always the better dating scenario, better relationship. Not someone who doesn't see it right off the bat. I think I made my point here. So no. Long story short, Grant, no. Respect yourself more. This one's from Aaron. Hey, Trip, I've been listening to your podcast for a few months and really enjoying the content. My question is this. I've been on a bunch of dates, first dates, mainly from apps that kind of feel similar. They aren't bad dates per se, but I don't feel like I was able to escalate things and the conversations feel a little bland and routine. In cases where I don't find the girl very attractive, it's an easy decision not to go out again. Just recently, though, I went on a date with a pretty attractive girl from Bumble, and I'm not sure what to do. The date was not exciting or especially fun, but seeing her as I found her attractive, I'm thinking perhaps it would pay to ask her on another date and see where things go with some time. On the other hand, in trying to maintain an abundance mindset, man, we are just, this is uh, great that we're on topic here. In trying to maintain an abundance mindset, I'm tempted to not pursue her further considering that the date was fairly bland. Would you recommend that I err on the side of allowing things to play out until I'm certain I'm not into her or calling things off after one date if I don't feel a connection? One last factor is that in these situations, I'm biased to not go for a second date because I think there's a solid chance she's going to say no. I know this fear of rejection shouldn't factor into my decision making. I'm just adding this point to say that I feel like my judgment may be clouded because of this. Any advice on this would be appreciated. Best Aaron. Yeah, you're, you're, to, to that last point, your judgment is clouded. Never say no to things out of fear. Okay? And that relates to what I was saying to today with what we've been talking about with uh, doing hard things and challenges like my three-day fast. Fear is not your friend. Yes, on a primal level, it's good to have fear because fear causes us to not get in trouble, right? We have a fear of heights because, well, if we fall, we die, you know? Uh, so fear is, is, is a survival mechanism, but it's also, we haven't really evolved to the point where fear is helping us rationally with every decision, such as this one, fear of rejection. You're not going to die or get hurt. You only get hurt if you let fear take over and not do the hard thing. So yeah, your judgment may be clouded. But to answer your question here, would you recommend that I err on the side of allowing things to play out until I'm certain I'm not into her? So I, I like your your mindset here with the abundance and that if you're not feeling the connection, you should move on to someone else, especially if, or even if you're attracted to the person. But I would actually say in a case like this, give it one more shot. Sometimes women and yourself are a little bit nervous and it's not the perfect first date. First dates don't need to be the most magical experiences of all time. Now, if you're on date two and three and you're still feeling the same way as you did on date one, I think we have an answer here. But I think it's not too much of this scarce mentality if you say, hey, let's give it another shot. Nothing wrong with that. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the answer, Aaron. Give it another shot. If you're feeling the exact same way on date after date two that you did on date one, it's done. 
But sometimes people feel more comfortable when they spend more time with the person and that allows them to introduce more of their personality. And maybe that happens on a second date. So test that out and see what happens with it. I would give it another shot. And I don't think that's scarcity at all. I think that's totally fine. Hope that helps. Let's do one more. Hi, Trip. Love your podcast and just give it a five-star review. Thank you. I have a question. I met a girl in a public place. We got along pretty well. She proactively asked for my number. She texted me back a day later and the text conversation was decent. I asked her out and she said she liked that, but there has always been some excuse for not going on a date. That said, she is still flirty over text. I want to know how to proceed. Do I follow up one more time to ask her on another date? To be clear, she did not flake. She just never accepted any invitation to go on a date. Do I just stop texting, go cold, and let her reinitiate the conversation? On one hand, I want to I want to lead and not be passive, but I also do not want to seem needy. Would love your thoughts. Regards, please keep me anonymous. Okay, great question. This is awesome. So this goes into the idea of high level of interest. As I said earlier, high level of interest is shown through the meetup. It's not shown through text message. We want women who want to meet up with us. So if she always has some excuse, I would probably just drop her. She's clearly not that interested. Women who really like a guy won't be making excuses. They will move things around. They will make it happen. So right now, she's getting everything that she wants, lots of flirty attention from a guy that she kind of likes, but it's not from a guy that she really likes. And that's the difference between you and the guy that she's actually meeting up with. So we don't want flirty text messages and attention over text. We want a woman in person who's going to go on a real date with us. So I'd probably just go cold and just drop her. Or or you could say to her, hey, listen, you seem like you can never meet up. And to be honest, I'm not really interested in just texting. So if you ever have time to meet up, let me know. Otherwise, I wish you the best. That's one way to do it. You could also just drop her. You don't owe her anything. It seems in a way, too, she's kind of teasing you. I just don't like how this is all going down. So anonymous, be done with this. Give her the ending text and let her know you're not going to be a text buddy anymore. Guys, I hope this was as fun for you as it was for me. I enjoyed talking about my personal experience with the fast. I enjoyed talking about this idea of how women view attraction and how they view your struggles as a man. And of course, answering your questions. So you know what to do. Email me podcast question, trip at tripadvice.com. Go to tripadvicecoaching.com if you need more help than the podcast. I wish you guys the very best this week. Talk to you soon. <laughs>